What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Big Easy Bets podcast. I'm your host, Logan, and with me in the studio, as always, Nick Von Brick. How's it going? And Justin, the Russian concussion mascaro. Good evening. Episode 109, first round and, first and second round of the tournament are in the books. We uh, look forward to the Sweet 16. We're going to pick every single game that they have to offer. But before we get to that, First weekend in the books. Uh, I haven't seen it outside in a, quite a while. Like I said, easily 72 hours. I didn't leave my house. I didn't leave my couch. So I took maybe one shower. It was a, it was a grind. But how do y'all feel with uh, now that the dust has settled on the first first two rounds? You're, 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 uh, I don't feel good. Yeah, you're not off so. to a hot start. What about you, Justin? Justin was in Austin. Yeah, Um playing paintball austin was good uh i got to watch no just just some paintball got some war wounds (laughs) um yeah yeah, first day was good for me um got a lot of picks correct but i know yesterday sucked and maybe saturday too the dogs the dogs were barking definitely but yeah not even just from a betting standpoint we'll break it down um just from an overall review of how the first two days went or I'm sorry, first two rounds, first four days. Uh, and then we'll, then we'll go through bets and all that. I have it, I have it written down where we currently stand. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say my biggest takeaway from the first weekend is what the fuck happened to Kentucky. They obviously lose to St. Peter's, which luckily, luckily for Kentucky, I guess is the fact that St. Peter's won again. Uh, we've got a repeat of oral Roberts, 15 seed over a two seed. And then they're in the sweet 16. Is Coach Calipari the most overrated coach in college basketball? Um, I don't know much about basketball, like coaching and all that, but I never liked him. Okay. Justin, what do you think? Uh, I always liked Coach Cal, but, I mean, losing to St. Peter's in the first round definitely does not look good for him, too, because this was one of the most talented Kentucky teams in a while. Um, yeah, I mean, I've never seen a coach do less with more. Yeah. He's had some incredible teams, incredible teams. The Devin Booker team, the Julius Randle team. Uh, he had D. Rose at Memphis. He's had, like, his list of players that he's had on his team, uh, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, um, Eric Bledsoe, that whole, that team that came up short. He's had so many of these great teams that have come up short. He's only won it one time, and that was because Anthony Davis was far and away the best player in college basketball. Far and away. So it's like very few coaches in the history of college basketball have been able to have multiple teams with the talent that he's had. And the few that have been blessed to get that much talent have multiple champions to, championships to show for it. So you've got Duke. You've got the the Kansas's Carolina, the Blue Bloods. Like I've never seen a coach do less with more. He's got stacked teams all the time. And just consistently comes up short. It is inexcusable. When Ohio State lost to Oral Roberts, Ohio State never should have been a two seed. Let's be honest. This Kentucky team had everything necessary to win it all. Everything. They had probably the best player in the country in Oscar Shibwe. A, a host of good guards. 
Grady, who can't hit fucking water if he fell out of a boat, but was a sniper throughout the middle of the season. And then just athletic wings. Everything you need to win. And they lose to St. Peter's, a 15 seed. Second year in a row, we have a 15 seed upset a two seed. So, I, I personally, I think he is in the conversation for the most overrated coach in college basketball. I don't know what he does. Uh, he's a great recruiter, apparently. He's just got that Kentucky recruits itself. It always has. And then when you bring in Calipari, who's got the the swag that he does and the style, uh, it's attractive to these players. But it's like, at some point, you got to do something with the talent that you get. Are we going to keep just giving him a free pass and look at him as this incredible coach? I mean, one championship, and it, it took an Anthony Davis-led team, so which was far and away the best player in college basketball that year. That was the biggest takeaway that I had um, from the first round. What, what what would you say yours was? Um, yeah, I would agree with that. That was the most surprising thing, but um, the second most surprising thing came in the second round when Tennessee lost. Okay. I thought you were going to talk about Iowa over uh, Richmond upset in Iowa, but yeah. Well, look, I bet on Iowa, and I was so stupid. It's easy to say that now, but like just looking back yeah, at it, it's like a bitch. we've always we used to always bet on Iowa last year, yep, and they kept burning <laughs> us, and we so we bet on them a little bit this year, and it happened a couple, maybe one or two times we got burned, and we stopped, and then they got hot. Yep. Just no, I, Keegan Murray wasn't able to do it all by himself. Is basically what happened to Iowa. Yeah, if I, I I didn't get to watch the game as much as I wanted to, so that Thursday I was working. It's the first opening day of the tournament that I was working in years and it sucked uh so I, a few of those games I mean I was watching on my phone don't get me wrong but I was treating patients in and out throughout the day so um but from what I saw and I'm gonna pull it up right now they couldn't they couldn't buy an outside shot is that correct yeah they weren't making them. yeah six of 29 from the outside um they won the rebound battle won the turnover battle but yeah I mean 12 seed upsets a five seed. So we had two 12 over five upsets just in the first day alone, um, which that typically that we're seeing that every single year, there's a 12 over five. So I was saying last season, I said it before we went into it and it, it proved to be true was I felt like the 13 over the four was becoming the new 12 over the five upset. Like you have to pick 13 over the four upsets. Well, this year we had none zero, but you had Providence, 66 to 57 over South Dakota State. It was close for a little while, but it wasn't really that close. It, it wasn't really. It, Providence was never in danger. So then you had Vermont and Arkansas. Arkansas was 100% in danger in this game. Uh, they pulled away there at the end, but v- Vermont covered the spread 71 to 75. Uh, Arkansas won. Then you had Akron and UCLA. UCLA won 57 to 53. And then the main one, uh, Nick nearly hit it right on the, right on the nose. Uh, Chattanooga and Illinois. Illinois wins by one. A very questionable call by the official gives Illinois a one and one. They miss the front end of the one and one and get the rebound. And Coburn puts it up, put back. And then, but then here comes Chattanooga, fires up a three, bricks it, gets the offensive rebound, and then gets the best look you could possibly ask for in the March Madness tournament a mid range jump shot uncontested and just couldn't get it done. So Chattanooga loses by one. But that should have been your 13 over four upset. We had Chattanooga with the points, and then we even had him on the money line as well. That one, I felt like. So my point is, the 13 over the four 
we didn't get any this year, but there was multiple that were right there. So that that is one that, like I said, you have to. That is becoming the new twelve over over five for me. And uh, Chattanooga should have came away with it. So that was your your big pick. Yeah, that sucked. But um, because while that was happening, we were watching the the Duke game was ending at the same time. Yeah. We had Duke minus eighteen and a half. Yeah, Duke goes up by nineteen with ten seconds left, and less than that it was yeah it was like six. Yeah, Theo John got a putback dunk. And then they give up a, a, a pointless layup. Yeah, the guy races down there to dunk yeah. it or whatever. Yeah. At the end of the game, it's like, bro. Yeah, Duke didn't care. They're not playing defense because they won. They're not playing a win by 19. And then uh, whoever they were playing, I don't even fucking remember. Guy races down there Kyle as fast State as he could. Fullerton. Yeah, races down there and lays it up. So, so that happened, and then... Back to back. That was while, like, Illinois was just creeping back in, like... They had just took the lead or something. It was like at, they were ending at the same time. So, yep. like, you got hit with two body shots. Yep. Yep. But the 13 seeds did put up a fight this year. Um, we covered the eight and a half with Chattanooga, but the money line would have been really nice. Uh, Justin, what's your biggest takeaway from the uh, the first weekend? Anything? Um. Yeah, definitely that Vermont game stood out to me. Um, the Bama game, I mean, they're they're frauds. Yeah, they're trash. And then Gonzaga was definitely worrying me the first day and the second day. Um, um, so let me rephrase that, I guess. My biggest takeaway is that the officiating's been fucking terrible. Like, unbelievably bad. Yeah. That's what I put on Twitter. This is, this is the best tournament that we have to offer in one of the biggest sporting events on the planet. And the officiating is fucking horrendous. Manic getting ejected... Again, when North Carolina played Baylor, for Manic to get a flagrant two on that elbow was fucking terrible. A, a guy that, and I had Carolina with the points. A, still, a guy, um, but uh, let me phrase that. The reason why, I had Baylor advancing in one of my brackets that is, like, still alive. So, just from an, un, uh, either one, I was okay with, but from an unbiased standpoint, that elbow is not, that's not a flagrant two. You don't get ejected for something like that. He didn't even see the guy. Yeah, I, I would, could have argued that it shouldn't even been a flagrant one. But for to throw him out of the game when he's on fire, literally looked at his bench, said, I'm fucking on fire after he railed the three, and then gets kicked out the next possession. And then Baylor, that ignites Baylor, they go on their run, yeah. which was an incredible comeback. That was one of the best games of the tournament. But the officiating was so bad. They were 100% biased towards Baylor. Meyer had four fouls with like 10 minutes to go. And hacked the dude at least seven times, and they didn't blow the whistle. They were trying to make sure that Meyer stayed in the game. Um, I had that written down. Texas Tech, we all had Texas Tech minus eight. Um, they get a rebound up six. Notre Dame is hacking the fuck out of Texas Tech. Clearly, right in front of the refs. Three different guys go up and hack him on the arm right at the end of the game. It's meaningless for the outcome of the game. But the refs don't blow the whistle. A foul is a foul. Make up your mind and blow the whistle when you see a foul. So Texas Tech should have went to the line for two free throws to potentially push that bet for us. But another thing that they've been doing all year, and they always do it, but especially in the tournament, is the waiting to see if the ball goes in to call a foul or not. It is either a foul or it is not. If he shoots the shot and gets fouled, and then you're watching, and, oh, the ball rimmed out, and then you blow your whistle, no, fucking blow the whistle as soon as you see the foul called. It, it, it drives me nuts. The officiating's been terrible, absolutely terrible. There was, um, actually, no, yeah, it's all, uh, I got so much going on in my fucking brain right now. Did y'all see the technical foul? 
called on, I can't remember who it was, guy dunked it on a fast break, and his momentum was carrying him, and then he came back and let go. Um, it was a team that ended Illinois. It was against Illinois. Was it? Yeah. Then it was, yeah, it was Houston then. Yeah, I think that's correct. It, yeah, was, it was the Houston-Illinois game, but it was against an Illinois player. It was a fast Okay, right, break. right, 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 right. Yes, yes. It was um, like Melendez, something like that. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Um, Reggie Miller, like, said it best. He was like, what? Like, you can't, you can't blow, he can't, if he lets go, he's going to fall on his fucking head. Yeah, Reggie yeah. Miller was like, if he lets go, he could potentially kill himself. Yeah, and, and like, like, that's extreme, but that's not false. Like, he yeah. could land on his fucking yeah. head. They Gave him a technical foul for hanging on the rim. I watched TCU last night when they dunked it against Arizona. The dude, like, had a seizure on the fucking rim. He, he, he shaked it so much. And they didn't give him a technical foul. This dude's full speed on a fast break trying to not get chased down blocked. Two-hand dunking it and trying to hold on and swing back so he doesn't slip and land on his fucking skull. And y'all are giving him a technical foul. It was so quick, he didn't hang on for more than a second. Everybody, like John Rothstein tweeted, he said, that might be the worst call I've ever seen in my life. You can't make that call on Illinois when we've got fucking Illinois. Yeah. It, and it finished not even close, but they made a run. They made a push and got back into it and had momentum. And then you call a technical foul right in the middle of their run. So the officiating has been fucking terrible. That's been the biggest takeaway. This is the biggest tournament that we have to offer and we need to have better officiating. So I know they're all getting graded and they're all trying to make it to the final four, just like these teams are. Well, there's a lot of officials that are not going to fucking make it. So we got to be able to put a better product on the, on the court. So, um, another takeaway I had was North Carolina dominated the fuck out of Marquette. So I think you and I, Justin, were both on that. Nick, you should have been on that. I don't know why you weren't. Um, I bet on the next round. Yeah, I know. But that was, I, I feel like you, like you got off to a bad start. Well, I was I was seriously considering it because we talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, and I even said I was probably gonna take that, but then, dude, sometimes you see a line, like <laughs> I don't know. I hate that. I it's do more this. important in football, I think, than basketball. It, it well, no, it's basketball not. games are way. Yeah, but outcomes usually are closer. But like it was a half a point different than when we. When I saw it, so when I was looking at where I was betting, it yeah, was at half a point three, different, three to three, three to and three a and a half. And that to me, I was like, I don't know. And I had already had nine games, so it was like uh, ten seemed like a bit much, especially when I started to second guess it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why I said hindsight's and a I bitch. They won anyway. by they won by thirty two. Um, and then I'm so, I was surprised you weren't on Tennessee too. So the bit the thing. I, I did well in the first rounds. I could have done really well. Um, but like we were talking about with Duke, I went I went six and four the second day. I should have went seven and three. Um, in the first rounds, I feel like you can find the like I struggled in the sweet in the uh round of thirty two. But like Tennessee over Longwood, a great defense, good offense, at least not in the last game, but that's a game where those teams that are the defense is what travels. So that's why I knew no matter what, I was batting Tennessee and Texas Tech. Texas Tech was my biggest bet of the weekend by far. Uh, they were 17 point favorites, something like that. They won by like 35. So those were the ones uh, that I felt like those are the can't miss ones. I felt like. Um, and then Miami, uh, we, we told you, we told everybody that the biggest fraud. 
that could be going home on the in the first weekend was Auburn, and they did. They ran into Miami, and Miami wire-to-wire dominated them. Auburn is not a good basketball team. Jabari Smith is crazy athletic, but he is not a good basketball player in terms of playing team basketball. They were getting multiple stops that they needed, and just he would throw up a contested three at the top of the key that was just barely touching the front of the rim. And I kept thinking, like, shit, this is where they're going to get back into it. And then he would jack up this contested shot. And I was like, okay, not not a problem. So we hit I hit on Miami. Um, actually, I might have been the only one. Were you on it, Justin? Yeah, Justin you were. Yeah. You were. Um, I took him on the money line as well. I had a couple people message me saying that they also took him on the money line because they heard us say that uh, – that we knew Auburn was frauds. They really have been. Away from their home court, they're not good at shooting the basketball. So that was a nice hit. I needed that. Um, Anything else? What else from yeah. the first weekend? Um, I was getting screwed because on that first – so on the first day I went three and six, just bad luck, bad picks. On the second day I went four, four, and one. Oh yeah, we the, talked about the Duke game, the meaningless shot at the end. But yes. then the la- very last game of the night, Michigan State goes up by four at the free throw line with like how many seconds were left? Like oh, it was three, barely. It was three point six seconds left on yeah, the clock. Yeah, three seconds left, and then freaking it was the Chinese Davidson. Davidson. Yeah. The Chinese guy on their team, right? Yes. He freaking launches it from the parking lot, and it, shot it of his goes life. in. And then Ju- so Nick and Justin were on opposites here <laughs> on a one-point spread. So it was a push for Justin as well as Nick, but that was a big difference because Nick went 4-4-1, four, four, and one, but that put Justin at 2-1-1. One, and one. So uh, when he was eyeing down a 2-2 two and two day. so Yeah, so the next day, it was all big bets. And I even had a really big bet on on the UCLA money line. Went three and one, hit the money line bet, climbed all the way out of the hole. Believe it or not, just for the final day to go zero and four. <laughs> you bet UCLA money line. Well, I bet them against the spread with with a uh, double bet, and then I bet and then put more on the money line as well. I bet even more on the money line. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The day two was. Uh, let me see. Day. So I was like, oh, yeah, the second round's my round. Yeah, day two was pretty much, um, oh, no, second round. Okay. The first day of yeah, the Yeah, gotcha, round. gotcha, gotcha. So day three, yeah, you went three and one. Justin went one, one and one, and I went three and four. So, yeah, o- overall, and then we basically, well, yeah, you had a brutal, you had a brutal last day. Uh, me and Justin went even across the board, four and four, and then he went two and two. So overall, we stand that after the first weekend, I'm 18 and 15, uh, Justin is nine six and one, and then Nick is ten fifteen and one. So, like I said, we are going to pick the entire Sweet Sixteen. So there's plenty of time uh, to make a turnaround. Even though I'm pleased with where I'm at to start, I just feel like I could have been a little, little bit better. Um, but let's see. Anything else before we start picking games that we need to touch on? Um. Um. LSU hired uh, Murray State's coach. Did they? Yeah. yeah. I don't hate that. I don't know a ton about him. I'm not going to lie to y'all. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know anything about him. But not a great showing in the tournament. But he's, I mean, he's turned Murray State into a quality program. So I think they went undefeated in conference play. Uh, mm-hmm. They were nationally ranked pretty much the entire year. So I don't hate that hire. See if he can uh, lasso back in a few of those five star recruits that Will Wade had, but I doubt it. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what they what type of 
penalties we get hit with, you know. That too. So we could be in we could be down low for a while. Yeah, we're probably going to be. Because if we get hit with some sanctions. It's kind of crazy that Arizona had postseason ban and then the next season they're one of the favorites to win it all. You know what I mean? They recruited all those damn foreign players. They I know, didn't, so they we got to look better. overseas. Yeah, they didn't know any better. Um, oh, yeah, speaking of which, that Houston, uh, I mean, that Arizona TCU game might have been the best game of the tournament. So that was an incredible game. Yeah, Mathern. Yeah, Mathern. Mathern. Yeah, Coach Mathern's his uh <laughs> his three at the end of regulation was fucking cold blooded. That is like your whole season riding on that one shot, and he didn't even touch the rim. The dunk he had, the poster dunk was yeah. sick. Jesus Christ! And then Coloco's dunk at the end of uh overtime to put him up yeah. five. That was clutch. Coloco, I had it written down. We'll, we'll get in all of that, but Coloco, yeah, he was tw- had twenty eight points on twelve of thirteen shooting. Um, all right, so we'll move on to the Sweet 16. Like I said, we're picking every game. Uh, we did it last year. We're going to do it again this year. Starting it off with, uh, on Thursday at 6.09 p.m., Arkansas and Gonzaga. Gonzaga's nine-point favorites. Who wants it? Um, This is kind of a tough one. They're all tough, I think. I have one that jumps out to me as I think the first day is as harder a, as to a pick great than one. the second day for me. I agree. Um. Yeah, I was thinking about looking at the over, but I think that'll come down. Yeah, currently I have all I have all spreads, so, so there's the, a good chance that I add uh, some point totals, either on here or definitely on Instagram. Um, last I saw, the over under was one fifty four. Yeah, I'm thinking it could get bet down a few, maybe a point. Mm-hmm. So I will wait, just see. I don't, I don't know. I don't see it going up any, but um. I don't know. I would consider betting the over there, but if I had to take the spread, I don't know. I would probably lean Gonzaga, but it's well, it's tough. Well, what are you taking if you're not? Um, if we're betting every game, I'm gonna declare the over, but I do think okay. that'll go down. Okay. So you're taking the over, but you're gonna recommend over 154 right now. But I would wait till the day of the game, or just see what, just watch it and see what it does. Okay, Justin, which side are you leaning? Um, I think I'm leaning more towards Gonzaga. Okay. Uh, I think they're going to really start to get it going here. I mean, yeah. It's not like Arkansas has been playing really great either. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to take Gonzaga minus nine. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm going to take Gonzaga minus nine as well. So Arkansas is a team in the tournament shooting 21% from the three-point line. That is not good, especially against a Gonzaga team that's got the rim protection that they do with Holmgren, who seems to block everything. Note in particular is only shooting 29% from the field. Uh, he's not shooting very well from deep at all either. If the team is shooting 21, he, the best player is probably not shooting very well either. Uh, Gonzaga is a team that has kind of slept walk through a lot of these games, but they've shown the ability to turn the switch on when needed, uh, specifically in that first game. It was a tight game, and then within a three-minute stretch, it was like a 20-point game, So, uh, which you were on, Gonzaga. They ended up a last shot, ended up not covering. Um, I'm going to take Gonzaga minus nine as well. Arkansas kind of slept walk through Vermont. And then I was on New Mexico state. I've bet against Arkansas both times, both games in the tournament. And they, I've won both of those. So New Mexico state, they were in a crazy game where it was just, nobody could hit a shot. So Gonzaga also to Kirk Creesa 
went um oh no i'm sorry i'm looking at something else jesus christ i'm all over the place give me gonzaga minus nine i've been i've had that kirk crease stat in my head for quite a while uh that's arizona though i'm taking gonzaga minus nine so is justin nicks on the over 154 um yeah mm-hmm. see the over the over worries me because arkansas is not hitting shots so, yeah, but it's like, dude, when Gonzaga pushes the pace, it's like, oh no, they run, they fucking run fast. Because so. like when they start making shot, like, oh my god, like that's why they get back in the game so yeah. damn quick, and then they smashed, <laughs> yeah, they smashed Georgia State, and then they kind of did it to Memphis as well. If they like, are hitting threes to be down ten at halftime, yeah. and then at one point at the end of that game, it was um looking like, oh my god, yeah. Gonzaga's got a good chance to cover the spread. Yes. It's 10-point favorites, and then it was like, or they were eight-and-a-half point, not, I don't know, nine-point favorites, something around there. But then Memphis hit a few shots, but it was like, Christ, I mean, they can score points so fast. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, and especially, so that's the thing. If if they are hitting from deep, you you pair that with their ability to just run, and they just run and run and run, it's like, then, yeah, they're gonna, they can fill it up. It's kind of like Duke. So that's why I had the over with Duke and Michigan State. Duke was just fucking as soon as the ball would go through the basket, was slinging it to half court, and then they're going. Like, and Gonzaga's very much the same way. But it worries me a little bit in terms of the over, like I said, with Arkansas's inability to hit a shot at all, really. Um, and then the rim protection of Holmgren. Arkansas is going to have to get hot from three. To hit yeah, this and over. then maybe get to the free throw line. This game, no, Tay's been living at the free throw line. That's the, how he's been getting his points. Yeah, so this game kind of um, reminds me of a game that I bet on earlier in the year when Auburn played Arkansas, mm-hmm. and the damn team had there was fifty-seven points scored at halftime, and them son of a guns score one hundred after halftime. I do remember yeah. that, I and I was like, that. Jesus Christ! So. Arkansas has the ability to be able to turn it on after being cold, too, just like Gonzaga. So I think that, I don't know, I could end up adding Gonzaga minus nine with this mm-hmm. uh, by the time we put them out. But yeah, right I feel, now I, I'm just on the over. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be can Arkansas keep up. So And then that, that would almost be, um, it's like if this is a tight spread, then it probably will go over, so it would almost be like an insurance policy Yeah, uh, to take the Zags minus nine. But all right, next game on the day, uh, 20 minutes after the Gonzaga game tips off, you've got Michigan and Villanova, 11 seed versus a two seed. Villanova is five-point favorites. I think it's safe to say, well, I don't know, Michigan played themselves into that 11 seed, but they're not playing like an 11 seed at all. So they find themselves playing the Wildcats. Um I'll go first. So the one thing with the one thing that Nova lacks, obviously, is a dominant big. Although Dixon has been playing very well, showing the ability to stretch the floor and space the floor and and hit threes. He, I think he's the highest percentage shooting player on the team, which is hard to believe. But um, even with that happening, Dickinson is another guy who can also stretch space the floor out as well. I think he will be able to get what he what he needs to get down low. But the main thing here is I think that Eli Brooks matches up very well with Colin Gillespie, who might be the best guard in the country. Michigan has a lot of momentum right now. I'm going to take the team with the momentum, getting points. Michigan plus five. Eli Brooks had a great game. Eli Brooks is a guy who's not going to panic under the pressure, much like Gillespie won't either. I think that they're going to battle it out. Eli Brooks is a very good defender, just like Gillespie is. They can both go get create for themselves. 
Uh, you need Houston for Michigan to step up, not the team, the player. And then um, Diabate, I think, is an X factor for Michigan as well. Michigan's rolling. I'm going to take the team with the momentum getting points. So plus yeah, Michigan five. as a team is playing really good defense right now. Yes. So that's um, something to keep note. But, yeah, I agree with you. Eli Brooks, I told you last year I loved him. I thought mm-hmm. he was the X factor last year. I bet on Michigan to win it all. But, um, no, uh, I agree with you. I'm going to roll with Michigan as well. Just they, they finally – I mean, a lot of people saw the talent in this team early, and that's why they were ranked preseason. They were mm-hmm. ranked high, and even as uh, from a betting standpoint, they were favorites for a while. You know, like that. Fa- even though they were struggling, that the odds makers still believed in them, and the betters did as well for a while, and then that kind of faded away. And then to really get into the tournament and start it now, I think we're if they end up getting an upset i think we'll start to see these spreads get a little bit closer with for them again yeah i agree uh all right justin which side are you on you taking the wildcats you've been fading them all year yeah i'm actually taking the wildcats they might actually be my favorite team right now i like colin gillespie a lot but um yeah they're gonna have to slow down dickinson somehow and uh i'm also gonna take the the under at 135 and a half interesting yeah god that one's so tough to gauge um, because they've got guys that can shoot all across the board, and the another reason why, and I, I'm not on a side on this yet, and I may not be in terms of the point total, but Villanova is about to set the record for the most for the best free throw shooting team in the history of college basketball. So that's a tough in terms of betting against them against the spread and the points. So they're gonna they're gonna cash in at the line, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like fives fives just a little too much right now uh, in the Sweet 16. Both both of these teams are, I mean, they're starting to they're starting to taste it. So they're getting close to uh, making their way to New Orleans. But all right, so Justin's on the Wildcats. Me and Nick are both on Michigan plus five. Uh, I think the toughest one of the day: Texas Tech and Duke, eight thirty nine. That's what that's the thing about March. You got to love the weird start times. 839 on CBS, Texas Tech and Duke. Tech is one-point favorites. This is a tough one. Yeah. How is uh, Gr- Griffin? Is he, like, out or I have that. Um, I have that marked down. So, yeah, uh, A.J. Griffin rolled his ankle. I'm assuming he's going to be fine. So, okay. it, it's it's a probably a mild sprain. I, I highly doubt it will keep him out for basically damn near a week. So, um. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go first, I guess. Um, Texas Tech's defense is the real deal, and Duke plays zero defense. So that's the main thing for me. I'm going to take Texas Tech. I've been riding them for quite a, a little while now. Got the futures bet with them as well. They've got multiple guys who can score, even though they didn't show it in their last game. And Duke plays no defense. So the strength, the, the, the biggest discrepancy in this game is going to be Texas Tech's ability to lock up Duke, and the fact that Duke plays little to no defense leads me to believe that Texas Tech is going to have a much easier time scoring the basketball than Duke will. So it doesn't mean uh, this is going to be a tough one. This is going to be an incredible game, but I'm going to take the Red Raiders, uh, one-point favorites. Yeah, I'm on Texas Tech as well, and um, 
Just the biggest thing is, like, they just play a tough brand of basketball, and I don't know. I feel like Duke's kind of sometimes can get soft there, like, when things aren't going their way, you know, if they're not hitting mm-hmm. shots. I feel like they get kind of. Bancaro's so passive. I, I don't, I've, I've never seen somebody jump like he's going to shoot and then throw it to where his teammate was, but the guy's already cut to the basket to go try to get a rebound because he mm-hmm. thinks he's shooting, and he just throws the ball away. He did it three times in the last game. So he if he would just make up his mind that he is going to get his and I am going in the basket and you're not going to be able to stop me, then they'd probably be able to win the entire tournament. He's that good. Yeah. But it me- mentally, he doesn't have that killer mindset, at least not yet. So that's what stands out to me with Duke. Um and when you're playing a team like Texas Tech, that defense is fucking good, really good. So, Justin, which side are you on? Um, yeah, going back to like what you said about how Duke doesn't really play too great of defense, and Texas Tech will have a good time um, scoring the ball. And whenever the opposing team does score, they are getting it right out the basket and throwing it up and mm-hmm. trying to get up a shot fast. So, I'm taking the over at 136 and a half. Nah, that's tough. Yeah, that's another tough one. Um. Yeah, because Texas Tech will go cold too, but Definitely. it's like they're just relent. Their efforts relentless. Yes. So yeah, I mean, if you're getting Texas Tech of the first round, where they hit like ten or fourteen three point yeah. shots, then then this game's going to go over. If you're getting Texas Tech of the other day on Saturday, when what am I looking at? And was it Sunday? So wait, they played Sunday, but they're playing on Thursday. That don't make sense. Yeah, four fifteen from the three point line. They shot thirty five percent from the field. Yeah, why are they playing? They played Sunday and they're playing on Thursday. Yeah, that don't make sense to me. Typically, if you played most recent, then you're playing the the later day. But whatever. Um. So all right, Justin's on the over. Me and Nick are on Texas Tech. Uh, minus one. So all right. Um. Last game of the day, this is going to be an incredible game as well. So originally this was a two-point spread. It's come down to one and a half already. Houston and Arizona. Houston should not have been a five seed. They've made that abundantly clear after beating Illinois, uh, running through UAB. Arizona, obviously the one seed. So I'll go first with this one as well because I have a decent amount written down with this, but not a ton. I don't have a ton of information to really give you, but – I badly want to take Houston with the points. I really do, but I'm going to take Arizona. Uh, Ben Matherin asserted himself as the best player in the country against TCU. 30 points, like eight rebounds, maybe eight assists around that range. Nearly had a double-double. His dunk, obviously we all saw it. Coloco's dunk at the end of overtime, like I said, was almost equally impressive impressive that secured the game. But the three-point shot that Matherin hit is... Not going to be talked about enough. That was such a cold-blooded shot. You're playing TCU. You're about to get upset. You're the number one seed. And you've got the shot. Last shot. Good look to tie the game to make sure to save your season. And he, I mean, just buried it. Buried it. So he's going to have nothing but confidence. Coloco was able to get his on an extremely efficient 28 points, 12 of 13 from the field. This was a five-point win for Arizona in overtime. Kirk Creasa was one of 10 from the field, and every single one of those shots was a three-point shot. 
If he even remotely shows up in that game, it's not close. So I'll give him a pass because it was his first game back, but that is absolutely unacceptable to go 1 of 10 from the field when you've got your other teammates playing incredibly efficient, giving 30 pieces. You over there jacking them up. There was one, it was like at the end of regulation, maybe in the end of overtime. He shot it three times in a row from the three-point line. They kept getting offensive rebounds, kicking it back out to him, and he was just brick, brick, brick. So if he can even remotely show up, which I think he will, highly unlikely that he goes one of ten or even something close to that, then I'm going to take Arizona. I really want to take Houston. Houston has overachieved this year. They lost two of their best guards and one specifically they lost their best player in Marcus Sasser, 17 points a game. So their defense has carried them here. Their efforts carried them here. Their offensive rebounding has carried them to this point. Uh, Arizona's got the guys down low. They've got Balo coming off the bench. So if that tells you anything, when you've got um, you've got Coloco and um, who's the other dude? The white guy. Um, you got Larson, Tabellis. Um, Tabellis and Coloco down low with Balo coming off the bench. They've got you've got rebounding right there for days. So they're all good. They're good at crashing the boards. They all rebound very well. Matherin's giving you six boards a game. So I'm going to take Arizona here. I think that Houston's shown the ability to go cold as well. They don't really have if Kyler Edwards is having an off night. I mean, Shed's more of a more of a pass first guard. Fabian White, trust me, I know I know Houston like the back of my fucking hand. Fabian White, what he's done at the three-point line to turn it around from year to year is incredible, but I just don't think that they're going to have enough on the offensive side of the ball um, to hang with the Wildcats in this one. So give me Arizona minus one and a half. Yeah, I'm going with Arizona too. The only thing that concerns me is that, like looking back at the statistics from the TCU game, um, TCU – rebounded it 20 times on offensive rebounds. Yeah, no, that was – and I think they out-rebounded them by eight on the offensive glass, if I remember correctly. Yeah, uh, 20 to 14. Okay, so six. Yeah, no, that's a problem. Um, Yeah, their big could not be stopped last night. Yeah, Yeah, so that's a problem. Uh, Houston's got formidable bigs down low with, obviously, Fabian White's more of a stretch-the-floor guy, but you got Carlton down low. You've got uh, Chaney, the transfer – down low. So they, I mean, you know what you're getting with Houston. All out effort. I think Arizona's going to be ready for that. They had their scare. A lot of times, I think it was Rothstein said, like every year, the team's got to have that one possession game where they almost go home mm-hmm. to wake them up. Um, not Baylor last year because they fucking ran through everybody. But I think that that, I get what he's trying to say. And I agree. I feel like Arizona's going to come in like laser focused. It's like, okay, we, we nearly, our season was nearly over. So they're not going to allow that situation to happen again. I still think Arizona is the best team in the country. Yeah, I do too. And uh, what you said about Crease is, is correct. Like the games they've lost this year, he's, he shot the ball like he did in, mm-hmm. in that game. So, um, well, it's also got to wake up and realize that, okay, if you're going to shoot, if you're having this bad of a shooting night, one of 10, then it's time to start. It's time to start contributing another way. And yeah. he came off the bench, but he played 27 minutes. So uh, only one assist on, when you're shooting one of 10, that's not good. It's um, 
understand he's coming back from the ankle too. Don't get me wrong. Reassuring though that Mathurin uh, was able to take over. Oh, 100%. Played 41 minutes. Give you 30 points on 8 of 19 shooting. 11 of 13 from the uh, free throw line. But Coloco, I'm so impressed with Coloco. 12 of 13 from the field for 28 points. Gave you 12 boards. So they've got guys. They've got plenty of guys. So you had a, a relatively relatively off night from Tubelis. Um, and they very nearly could have won it in regulation if Terry mm-hmm. shoots a floater or a layup. Even just a layup over the front of the rim and you probably get it out of your hands. I don't know why you're going in for a dunk. Uh, but, yeah, I'm taking the Wildcats. So sounds like you are as well. Justin, which side are you leaning? I'm also on the Wildcats. It, it, it hurts. Like I said, yeah. I, I love Houston. I, I've loved Houston for years. So I just I can't do it. I can't. It's not not this isn't going to be the team that they do it with. They they had some guys last year that could have been the team. Uh, I felt like they could have done it the year Michigan hit the buzzer beater with Jordan Poole. They had some guys that year. This year they just they're they're injured. They their best players not even playing. So it would be incredible if they do move on to the Elite Eight and upset upset Arizona. Vegas doesn't think it would be much of an upset. So this this proves that they should not be a five seed. But that's very possibly the last two games. You're gonna to have to have two two TVs going because those are the two best games of the night. So, all right, we'll look ahead to Friday. First game: St. Peter's and Purdue. Uh, Purdue's twelve and a half point favorites, and I think they should be. I understand St. Peter's is the Cinderella, and they're on their Cinderella run. Well, I think the clock is going to strike midnight. I'm taking Purdue. Uh, St. Peter's is gonna have nobody to match up with Edie, seven foot four center down low. But Travion Williams has been in his bag in this tournament and has been really uh, just producing at a high level. And then Jaden Ivy, when he wants to go, he's gonna go. So there's nothing you can do, nothing you can do about it. They're not going to have anybody that can stay with Jaden Ivey. He will live at the free throw line. Stefanovic, if he can get even remotely hot from deep, they're going to win this game by 20-plus. Give me Purdue minus 12-and-a-half. I think the Cinderella story's over. Um, I'm a, This game worries me a little bit just because um, I don't know the guy's name, but St. Peter's has a pretty good player that can get, attack the rim and, and draw fouls. Um. I think he's number 11, but um, he's clearly their best player. And then they have other players. They have uh, guys that can shoot from outside. But, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think Purdue's going to be able to be stopped. So you're thinking of Casey and Defo, um, number 11. He's a forward. He's averaging 10 points a game. Uh, Daryl Banks is uh, the guard, and he's their leading scorer at 11.4. So Defo's ba- right there. But, yeah, 6'7". Um, how much did he score against uh, Murray State? Uh, let me see. Give me two seconds. Uh, Indefo had 17 points on five of 10 shooting. Nine of them came at the free throw line. Yeah. So, um, or, I'm sorry. Seven of them came at the free throw line. I don't know. The Purdue's defense just worries me a little bit. I'm going to go over here again. Yeah, I know. Sounds stupid betting all the overs, but I bet two unders and lost. So now I'm betting all overs. Um, I'm going to go over 136. I think that that's a little low. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they they must be thinking that Purdue's going to be able to do a relatively decent job defensively for it to be as low as it is because, I mean, Purdue's going to be able to – they're going to get some points up. They always do. So, Justin, which side are you leaning? I'm also on the over as well. Uh, I was trying to find a first-half uh, spread. I could not find it, but I – Look at that one as well. Yeah, the first it, half it, on the spread. It's probably mm-hmm. six and a half to seven, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. 
If it's under eight, I would I would take it. Yeah, I don't hate that either. You just I, gotta wait. It'll come out the day, the day yeah. of the game. Yeah, like and, and like I said, so we very well are gonna add picks um, on the Instagram cards. So if you're not following the Instagram page, go follow it right now at Big Easy Bets. That's where all of our picks are. All of our records are tracked there. So there's full transparency on everything that we're giving out. Uh, I'm two and zero on the last two plays of the day on TikTok, which the videos also go to Instagram. Um. Just for what that's worth, but yeah, no, I I don't like. I mean, I don't hate that at all. I think the first half bet's probably a good bet. I think Purdue's gonna. This is not. I'm sorry, but I don't see St. Peter's advancing to the Elite Eight, even though I feel like Purdue is a team that could sleepwalk. They're just like if I had to pick any of them that I could see, like oh, they didn't fucking show up before the tournament. I would have told you Purdue, but now they're, they they just look like they're locked in. They're clicking on all cylinders. Ivy's getting whatever he wants. Travion Williams is playing very good ball right now. And then they Zach Eady's going to look like a, a foreign creature that they've never seen before. St. Peter's never seen a 7 foot 4 center. So, take Purdue with the points. Um all right, Providence and Kansas. I have nothing written down for this one. I didn't even look into it. Uh, this one's very tough for me. I figured I would leave leave it up to y'all. Kansas seven and a half point favorites. Um, I really like Kansas. I just bet on them today to win it all, but I got also got a lot of bets on other teams as well. But um, I'm gonna go with Providence here. I think it's just a closer match. I think at the matchup here is is it gonna be a little bit closer. I think Providence has gone. Been underrated so far through the tournament, and I think that I that's why they've covered both of their games. With with the, the South Dakota State was a little bit closer, but the the, the last first one, half, second half, it wasn't. The last one wasn't even close, so yeah. it's like Richmond. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, they won by double. And digits. Richmond was a good team, so I think that I think Providence can at least keep it closer than than with their spread showing. Yeah, Gilliard for for Richmond, you need to look yourself in the fucking mirror. Because you did not show up at all. The biggest, the biggest spot of your career. Y'all nearly got here last year and fell short. You finally get here, probably in your senior year, and you played like absolute dog shit. So look yourself in the mirror and tell your teammates you're sorry. Tell, apologize to me too, because I'm fucking pissed. I bet on y'all. All right, Justin, which side are you leaning? I am. I agree. I do think it's um, a lot of points. So I'm taking Providence plus seven and a half, and then I'm also going to take the over. At one forty-one and a half. Okay. I think Kansas ends up winning this game, but I could see it being like a, a 79, 75 kind of game. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even 79, 73. But um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll take Providence then with the points. Um, I wanted to do it. I wanted to see if y'all had anything, any, any nugget on Kansas. Um, Abaji has not. I mean, somebody corrected me on Twitter that he had two good games in between, but, like, that senior night, he was fucking terrible. And then in the tournament, dude, uh, it's like, I don't know what he's doing. He's not looking for the ball. Looks like he doesn't want the ball. Anytime he gets it, he's throwing up bricks. So if this is not Ochai Obagi's breakout game, then Providence should cover this cover this point spread. Um, so seven and a half, I'll take Providence. Um, after that, you got what's going to be a damn good game as well. In North Carolina and UCLA, UCLA is two point favorites. UCLA is your team, Nick, so you can go first. And you taking uh taking the Bruins? Yeah, I am. Okay, I think um. So UCLA, who'd they play last? Shit, why am I forgetting this? 
UCLA. Yeah. St. Mary's. Yeah. Okay. They yeah. St. Them. Mary's was a pretty good team. Um, they smashed Indiana. And then UCLA kind of smashed on them. So, um, no, j- just I've been, I've, I thought UCLA was a team that was overlooked going into the tournament. It's why I had, I have a futures bet on them to win it all. I mean, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I do think that, um, just the guys they have, Juzang has to, has to take over more though, like he did last year for mm-hmm. them to really make a, a, a legitimate run into, into having a chance of getting in the final four. But, um, just the scoring options they got with Tiger Campbell, Johnny Juzang is their best player, but he needs to get more involved, like I said. And then uh, Jules Bernard is hitting from three. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing for per, um, for um, North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina. I mean, the biggest thing for UCLA here oh. is that uh, the evolution of Miles Johnson, the big guy they have, mm-hmm. who uh, they kind of sp- – they use him, but Cody Riley's the guy they use more. But Miles Johnson's going to have to play a little bit in this game because of the size of. Uh, yeah, he only played twelve minutes last game. Yeah, he's going to have. To, I think he'll probably play more. But dude, Cody Riley's not a bad rebounder either. They UCLA plays with a lot of energy on defense and and, and grabbing boards. So yeah, I mean Mick Cronin's always been a good defensive coach. They have they, a they lot of size back. at other positions other than the big the big guy but they usually play cody more so. yeah miles johnson 12 minutes goose eggs all across the board except he picked up one foul wow that's impressive um justin which side are you leaning um i'm on north carolina okay those two actually they're really starting to click and uh they're one of the more exciting teams to watch in the tournament right now yep so i'm gonna go with them uh do you know if um the foreign guy if he's okay, I know he rolled his ankle. Foreign guy, twenty four on UCLA. Oh yeah, yeah, Jaime Jaquez. Yeah, I haven't heard anything, but yeah, no, he definitely rolled it pretty good. Um, See, I thought he looked, when I saw the replay, it looked like he just tweaked it, but he was definitely in just judging paint. by yeah, I'm judging by his reaction. I it think like it's something it he's good. been battling with, yeah. so I think he'll probably end up playing. Oh, I'm sure he'll go. Yeah. But um, no, that's a guy that I didn't even mention. He was the freaking go to for the first half to keep. For yeah. them to uh, pull away there a little bit in the first half, he was the guy they were feeding. Yeah. So, so does does Brady Manic face a suspension for getting a flagrant too? Uh, I don't know. That'd be freaking terrible. Yeah, that would. I, I haven't heard anything about it, so I'm assuming no. Um, so I'm going to take North Carolina as well. I feel like I may regret it because they're one of those teams that. When they're hot, they're hot, but when they're not, they're not. And UCLA has damn good defense, that Mick Cronin defense I carried over from Cincinnati. But Manic and R.J. Davis are playing out of their mind. R.J. Davis just gave you like 30. Uh, Manic was on his way to 30 before he, I mean, shouldn't have got ejected, but he did. You know what you're getting with Baycott down low. So you, if, if UCLA's not hitting shots, they're not going to get very many opportunities to get Offensive rebounds because Baycott seems to swallow everything up, and then he also produces multiple opportunities for the Tar Heels um, on the offensive glass as well. Again, I don't feel great about this one because I do respect McCronin in his defense, uh, but I'm going to ride the hot hand getting points here. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see if Manic can keep keep it up, and then uh, Caleb Love's got to play better. He he didn't play very well against Baylor at all, 
So uh, R.J. Davis put the team on his back when and when Manic went out. So if Caleb Love can show up and kind of be a three-headed monster from the outside to go with Baycott down low, um, we might see North Carolina advance. And this was a team that I, I had them. I had them upsetting Baylor. Um, if I mean they could find their way in the Elite Eight. So if they can if they can take down UCLA. So, but UCLA has been undervalued all year. This is going to be one of the best games of the day, though. So, all right. Um, and then the final game, you've got Iowa State and Miami. Miami's two-and-a-half-point favorites. I absolutely love Miami. This will be my biggest bet of the day. Miami's the real deal. Iowa State struggles to score. They play great defense, though. Miami has multiple different guys that can score for you. Um, I don't think that – I don't think that – Miami's been valued the way that they should be valued. Um, Miami's a team I definitely overlooked. This entire year, I feel like they have not been getting the credit that they deserve. Isaiah Wong, that dunk that he had on Jabari Smith, good God. Good God. McGusty gave you 20, and he went 0 of 5 from the three-point line. Uh, You got 15 out of Moore, 12 out of Miller. Isaiah Wong gave you 21. Uh, you got double digits all across the board from the starting five, except for uh, except for the big guy who only shot four times, but he gave you seven. Um, I think that Iowa State's lucky to be here. They caught an LSU team who, unfortunately, was without their head coach in Will Wade, and I mean, really, that one came down to the wire. Brockington hit a shot at the buzz. I'm not at the buzzer, right at the end of regulation, basically to uh, secure the game. Um. Then they ran into a Wisconsin team. They couldn't hit a fucking shot. So they're running into a Miami team that has all the confidence in the world, just knocked off the Auburn Tigers. These guys, I like Laranega as a coach. I really, really, really like Miami. This will be my biggest bet of the day, minus two and a half. It may have came down. Um, or I doubt it. If it goes anyway, it's probably going to go the opposite way. Um, but, yeah, Miami two, minus two and a half. Um, this is one I'm like super conflicted about just because Iowa State, the defense is, like you said, they they play really good defense against LSU. They had one player that couldn't freaking miss, and that was why we lost. On top of how bad LSU played, I was surprised the game was even as close as it was at the end. But um. In the second round, they they really Iowa State won that game on pure defense. Yeah. So, um, in the first round, I thought it was more of a, an LSU poor performance, uh, turning the ball over and not being able to make shots from from outside. But uh, in the second round, they really showed their defense. I'm a little bit worried about about the spread because even I don't know why I don't trust Miami, but I just they're the most efficient team in transition in the country. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to shoot at the under here. Under 133. Okay. Um, yeah, McGusty. Because I don't trust Iowa State to be able to score it, really. Yeah, McGusty's giving you 18 points a game. Isaiah Wong's giving you 16 points a game. Charlie Moore's giving you 13. Jordan Miller's giving you 10. And then Wardenberg's giving you 8.4. So you've nearly got all five starters averaging double digits. So they play good defense too. Larinaga's got them, got them playing good defense. Uh, and then when you add in the fact that, like I said, the most efficient team in transition, they're going to speed Iowa State up. They, they're going to turn it into a track meet. And there's just you can play great defense all you want, 
But when you've got this many different options, I don't think that Iowa State's going to be able to hang in there with them. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, Iowa State, I mean, the under could be a good bet. The, uh, Iowa State's shown that they, they can't fucking score the ball. So they yeah. just won 54 to 49. They beat LSU 59 to 54. Um, but I mean, against Auburn, Miami won 79 to 61. Uh, they won 68 to 66 against USC, but they were up double digits in that one and then fell asleep in the second half. I guess they thought that USC was going to throw the towel in, but they did not. Uh, but before that, Miami lost by four points to Duke. Uh, they're, they're rolling right now. They're, they're peaking at the perfect time, in my opinion. So I think that they're going to punch their ticket to the Elite Eight and they should win this one easily. Justin, which side are you leaning? I'm also taking the Hurricanes here. Uh, they're another one of my favorite teams to watch right now. This game actually opened up as Iowa State minus one. So if you caught Miami early, then you're feeling good. But, uh, yeah, I think I, I don't think this game's going to be too close. No, yeah, it shouldn't. I mean, anything can happen. That, that, that If Iowa State can play the way they want to play and really muck up the game, then it's certainly possible. Um, but it's like it seems like we always have – a double digit seed that's making it to the elite eight. So it's either going to be Michigan or Iowa state. And it could very, I mean, oh, fuck Michigan or Miami. And it very well could be both. I don't think it's going to be Iowa state though. I, that, that brand of basketball, it's just, you have to still have like Texas tech can play that brand of basketball. Cause they have guys that they can go to when it comes down to it. Bryson Williams, they got McCuller, they got, um, what's his name? Shannon jr. They've got guys that they can go to. Yo, banner played, Came up with some crucial shots against Notre Dame. He did, but he still makes some fucking stupid ass decisions, dude. The lights, the, like he's not built for this level of basketball, in my opinion. He did come up with some clutch plays, but he makes the worst turnovers. Yeah, like he's not, like he's not the level of intensity that you need to play at this level. He's still playing at Oral Roberts level of intensity. Like it, it, it I don't know. He he bugs me. He's the weakest link that I've seen from the Big Twelve tournament till now. He stands out the most to me is I like even on dribble handoffs, he's fucking letting them like it's not you have to fucking go. You have to put the ball in the guy's chest as he's coming. You he can't move all lackadaisical like that. He gets the ball tipped away so much, he's dropping passes. He bugs me. He and, and I'm big on Texas Tech, but he he worries me. Um so but don't get me wrong, I was Iowa State's got guys too. Brockington's giving you seventeen a game, but I just I don't know. This Miami team's just gonna be too much. Um if Kalsher can can carry over what he did against Wisconsin with his twenty two points to help out Isaiah Brockington and then Hunter. Hunter went one of ten from the field. Brockington was four of fifteen. Um so Kalsher's really the reason that they won that game. Twenty two points on ten and nineteen shooting. But yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna take the Hurricanes. I think I think that's just one of those ones. They've got all the momentum in the world, the way they play, the amount of the amount of different guys that can get you a basket. I think that's the safest bet of the week. Um so yeah, that is so we'll have to do another one. We'll have to do another podcast after Friday. Cause the Elite Eight should start up on Saturday, right? Yeah. I'm not sure how we did it. Like- because uh, I know yeah. after the only round we we gave all all our picks on a podcast last year, and the only round we missed was the second round. Yeah, so, so I'm guessing we just recorded right after. Yeah, that. We, we would have to because yeah, it's going to go right into it. Um, all right, we can recap real quick. 
Okay. I have Gonzaga minus nine, Michigan plus five, Texas Tech minus one, Arizona minus one and a half, Purdue minus 12 and a half, Providence plus seven and a half, North Carolina plus two, and Miami minus two and a half. I have Arkansas Gonzaga over 154.5. I have Michigan plus five. I have Texas Tech minus one. Arizona minus one and a half. I have the St. Peter's Purdue over one thirty six. I have the I have Providence plus seven and a half. I have UCLA plus uh minus are they min they're, they're minus the two. And then um I have the Iowa State Miami under one thirty three. Okay. Justin. Um, I have Gonzaga minus nine, Villanova minus five, Michigan Villanova under one thirty five and a half, Texas Tech and Duke over one thirty six and a half, Arizona minus one and a half, St. Peter's and Purdue over one thirty six, Providence plus seven and a half, Providence and Kansas over one forty one and a half, North Carolina plus two, and Miami minus two and a half. Okay, that is our picks for the Sweet 16. We will be back in the studio Friday to record uh, for the Elite Eight. Hopefully we are doing a little bit better, but we will uh, we'll see what happens. We have some damn good games coming up this week. Um, so in other news, football news, Deshaun Watson went to the Browns. Nobody fucking saw that coming because his team told everybody that the Browns were out. Uh, but then they said, we'll give you $250 billion guaranteed. And he said, okay, I'll come play in Cleveland. Uh, so the Falcons get hosed. Uh, we kind of get hosed too. But uh, we re-signed Jameis, though. How do we feel about that? It was the only choice. Yeah. Baker was floating out there. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going to happen with him. I have no idea where he's going to go. Matt Ryan just signed to the Colts. And they yeah. signed, or Falcons signed Mariota. They did. I think the Falcons might draft a guy. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like, is Mariota going to be your starter? Jesus Christ. Um, but, yeah. So, I, I Jameis deserved to be back. They gave him, I think, $21 million guaranteed, two-year deal. Um, rehab in the knee. Should be ready to go. I, I mean, got to see what we do in the draft. We've made zero moves in free agency because we got tied up with Deshaun Watson. Uh, I think he's a rapist. So, for what that's worth. Uh, we should investigate that, and uh, balls. The ball is in uh, the NFL's well, they court. Should, they should certainly suspend them. Yeah, I would say at least a year. So set the precedent. I mean, if they gave Ridley a year for for a parlay, what the hell are they <laughs> gonna set a precedent? Yeah, I mean, if you don't if you don't care watch. about women, then don't don't suspend him. Um, speaking of women, Leah Thomas won the uh, the NCAA championship. Congratulations for her. For her. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. She has the never mind. <laughs> the biggest penis I've ever oh god. seen. Oh my god. Yeah, no, it takes balls to do what she's doing. Uh. So um <laughs> pun intended. Uh yeah, I mean fucking swim with the the other the other transgenders. You can't swim against women as a as a biological male. That's where I stand on. I have nothing against uh anybody who is a transgender or if you're gay, if you're whatever. Doesn't matter to me, but imagine being the girl who swam her entire life and like broke the record. That was probably like her greatest achievement in life, possibly. 
And then this guy comes along and says, I'm swimming with y'all now. And just shatters the fucking record. Shatters them. Yeah. It's not even close. Shatters them. Uh, but congratulations. Like I said, it takes balls to get in the pool. So y'all got anything else to say before we go? Nope. All right. March Madness. We are in full swing. Uh, like I said, we will be back Friday, hopefully with some good news in terms of how we did on our bets. And we will look to uh, carry some momentum going. So y'all have a good one. Who that?